Okay, well, uh, well, thank Megan for some upbeat music on a gray and rainy day on the East Coast here. Uh, welcome everyone and, um, to DLN's Expert Access. Uh, this is our series in which we take a look at what we think are important, practical, and relevant topics uh, for architecture and design firms uh, in conversation with leading experts in this subject that we picked for the month. Uh, today, we're going to look at the area of website design for architecture and interior design firms. And so we have a lot, of, lot to cover, so I'm going to get right to introducing our guests here. Uh, first is Susanna Charbin, who is the founder of Beaux-Arts. It's a creative agency that caters to a range of lifestyle-driven businesses, but she has a particular focus on the home furnishings industry. Uh, she has a global client base and works across a wide range of creative areas, uh, not just uh, websites, but um, portfolios and uh, other aspects of uh, brand um, materials for uh, her clients. And then um, our second expert is Tom Maseg, uh, founder of Dyad. Uh, Dyad focuses exclusively on the architecture and interior design and landscape industries. Uh, he's been a teacher at the University of Arts um, and runs a workshop at Moore College of Art. Uh, and he, uh, the reason we selected these two is that they both are uh, really working day to day with architecture and design firms uh, to develop their brands and in, in specifically their um, websites. And so um, please join me in welcoming Tom and Susanna. Uh, so we're going to jump right into this. And um, I thought I would start out with uh, maybe a high level question. We'll start to drill down from kind of maybe why into the mechanics of building websites. And I thought I would start with a question that was posed recently by our friends at AD Pro, which said, essentially, do we need websites anymore? And uh, the reason I think they were provoking this question was that it seems with all eyes on Instagram, we want to ask ourselves, you know, is this an area that we should be investing in relative to other choices we have to make? And so I'll start with Susanna and just say, how important is a website in a time where social media seems to dominate the conversation? Um, sure. So, um, I mean, we would argue that a website is very important. Um, I think Instagram is an amazing channel to tell um, part of the story of your brand and give a glimpse into the type of work that you're doing. Um, and while it's a great channel in that respect, it doesn't really provide the same gravitas as a website. Um, it also, I think, can only provide a top level look into your brand. Whereas with a website, we have the opportunity to um, really cultivate an entire home for your brand um, and to delve deeper into the authentic stories behind you know, who make, what kind of comes together to drive your aesthetic, the type of projects you do, the type of clients that you work with. Um, so I guess Instagram is a little like the magazine cover that gives you the headlines. And then the website is the actual magazine where we get to delve into it in a, in a greater depth. Yeah, interesting. Tom, uh, what, how would you answer the same question? Well, I agree. And I think that, um, with a website, you get to control more. You get to control the whole aesthetic. So um, while you could have on Instagram, you can have your feed and your stories, things are kind of disposable and you're kind of um, um, dictated by their format. 
which is this grid format. So let's say you don't want a grid format. Let's say you wanna do things differently, movement, color palette, typography. So you really get to build, I think, a whole impression of kind of who you are, not just delivering the work. You right, interesting. Yeah. Um, one thing I do wanna mention, um, I, I wanted to say this in my introduction, but I'm very proud to say that both Susanna and Tom are members of the DLN. And so uh, they're really part of our community. So it gives us great pleasure to be able to, you know, feature their comments, not just because of their expertise in this area, but also, you know, to have their expertise within our community. Uh, so I forgot to mention that before, and I wanted to, to say that here. Um, I'd love to just, you know, let's assume that we're going to all need and want to build websites. And I think your comments uh, are totally appropriate about the difference between a social experience and what happens on, on your site. Can you just talk about this, the, the nature of the commitment to build and maintain a site uh, based on your experience with your clients? And maybe I'll ask Tom to go first. How, how big a deal is this to sort of, you know, really make, make this something that's important as part of your strategy and, and thinking about it as an investment of time and money? From the client's point of view? Mm -hmm. Um, I think for a lot of clients, initially, psychologically, it's ginormous because they're thinking, oh my God, I have to invest in this, okay? And that's a time investment. Um, but I think that um, some people get paralyzed in the beginning because it brings up issues, not so much, do I have the assets? Do I have the photography? Is the photography good enough? Do I have the text? Do I need a writer? Do you have the writer? You know, all of those things, but it invariably brings up the question, which becomes quite existential. Well, who am I? What should I put out there? Okay, what are other people putting out there? So I think that self-reflection um, can, I mean, pops up right away and it stumps people sometimes. And for me, the answer is always there. Okay, but it's I think I think it's about people willing to see that and willing to express that. I'll, I'm going to I have a follow up question, but I want to ask you know, Susanna just to comment broadly on the nature of the commitment that clients have to undertake or you see them undertaking to go through the process. Um, I think uh, I think uh, Tom's right. Um, most of our clients um, start the process with similar feelings. Um, I think sometimes um, people uh, underestimate the time commitment in that they'll decide to, that they'll wait to do a new website until there's an, an immediate need, yeah. like there's yeah. a piece of press coming out, um, or they're, you know, going to be part yeah. of a show house, or they're launching a new line of furniture. Um, and they think of it more as something that they, a box that they've got to check on the to-do list rather than it being actually an uh, enjoyable, fulfilling, creative process. Um, and so I think the most stressful uh, web commitments for our clients are when they have left it a bit too late um, and it becomes a rush to the finish line rather than a creative exploration of who the brand is and who they want to be going forward. Um, and also a business strategy conversation around like what, how is the website going to be a tool to help your business grow? Um, so I think 
time commitment is something to be aware of. Start, start the process sooner rather than later, even if you're just reaching out and talking to agencies to find out who you want to work with, just get started, get, get thinking about it. Um, I think the other commitment um, that's good to consider is resources in terms of um, like people management and bandwidth capacity. So um, what we find with a lot of our projects that are specifically for interior designers and architects is that your month to month has ebbs and flows in terms of when you're busy, when you're not busy, when you've got the creative bandwidth to actually be thinking about this. Um, and the, the reality is the, the process has to be fairly organic to fit in with your timelines of when you're available to give the time to it. So, so there's that. And then also just people resources internally to collect your images um, together and think about what projects you want to have on the site. It's, it's really good to um, think about doing the site, not just as you, the principal of the firm, but maybe you've got an internal team or another person that's going to support you, you know, with the day-to-day -day creation of it. You're, you're like yeah. racing through my questions Sorry. here about process, but um, I know Tom wants to say something here. So let's let Tom jump in and then I, I have more follow-up questions as well. And I'll also say, you know, for the group out here listening, um, you know, the Q&A button, we're going to track that closely and we'll be answering questions along the way and certainly at the end as well. And thanks. And I think just to touch on that, to think of it as a reaction to something, I think is the wrong way to think about it. Okay. So sometimes people will call, you know, oh, it doesn't work on my phone or I can't update it or there's the, 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 pro the information's old or that's, you know, usually there's a problem, right? And therefore it's a reaction to that problem. And I think the better way, I think just to dovetail on what Suzanne is saying is that think about it in a broader way over a longer span of time to say, this is a presentation of who we are and what the firm is and where we are in the market. Now, what is that and how do we build that? So right now, everyone's busy, right? So people are too busy to even be dealing with this. So there's kind of this almost manic quality or nature to like, oh my God, let's do this, let's do this. But it's all good, everyone's busy. We've got great, so take your time, you know. Yeah, interesting. Well, um, I have so many questions, but I'm gonna go back to what both of you said, you were very focused on the time commitment that's involved and the resources within the firm dedicated to this. I'm surprised that neither of you said that budget is an issue in the conversation with clients about building either updating an existing site in a material way or building a new site? Well, in terms of, I think in terms of thinking about budget, I think a good way to think about it is I'm spending X amount on, on this site, okay? Which means collecting assets, generating them, designing it, programming, et cetera. But I think it's also good to think that you are putting aside X amount of money. That's your marketing budget. Okay, per year, this thing is living and breathing. You always have to update it, add to it. So it's not a one and done kind of thing. I think that's mm -hmm. the wrong way to think about it because I think what happens, oftentimes people will say, well, how often should I update my website or change it? How long does it last, right? Well, it's a living, breathing thing. So sometimes the technology is shifting and changing 
but oftentimes the firm is shifting and changing, but also mm -hmm. users and people and human nature is shifting and changing. Yeah. So those things are all in flux. So we see it kind of as this living, breathing animal that you're always yeah. touching and moving and changing and adding. I always, the way I describe it often uh, for myself, and I'll just share this, is that in our industry, we're so used to the ta-da moment, the unveiling of a house, an interior, a product launch, something like that, which has this sort of moment. And with websites, you have to have, I think, a mindset that says it's never done. It's constantly a working process. Well, particularly for a lot of, a lot of our clients who design and create these timeless environments. They're built for generations. It's mm. about legacy. It's, you know, so it, things last forever. But this is a very disposable environment where things are shifting and changing all the time. Yeah. You know, so it's- Susanna, did you want to add to this uh, conversation about, um, you know, time versus money and also the kind of um, way in which you think about interacting with your clients over time and managing their web experience? Um. Yeah, you do. Um, the bulk of the work is upfront on creating the initial website and getting the ta-da moment. Um, but yeah, it would be wrong to think that it's a one-off thing and you're not going to spend budget updating it in the future. Um, I, I will say though, I mean, we particularly put a lot of effort into creating sites that our clients can um, change and update themselves um, if, they, if they want to. We have some clients who run the whole site themselves and then we have others who really want nothing to do with it and they come back to us for the updates. Um, but techno the technology behind the sites now means uh, we can we can customize the skill, the abilities that you have to update the site in ways you, that you couldn't really even imagine. Um, we've got sites where the entire color palette of the site can be changed seasonally so that um, if you're, you know, a, a landscape designer and you want to display um, photographs on the homepage that particularly relate to the season you're in, the entire background of the site can change to work as a backdrop to that photography. Um, and ditto, like you're launching a new, an interior designer is launching a new project and they want um, to, um, the, the site palette to support the colors that are within those projects. So we do put quite a lot of time into thinking about how the website can be easily updated so that each time there's um, an evolution in the business, you don't have to completely redo it from scratch. Um, and if you pin down a, a great brand identity when you start the project, you can also evolve the site over time because you're already working in that framework of who the brand is. So those initial stages are, are helpful. Just, just so we can, you know, just so we can help our members think about how to have a conversation with, you know, other, you know, whomever they're working with on web development. Can you just be a little bit more specific about the kinds of, um, skills and experience that is required to sort of maintain the site when you're handing it over and there is the ability for the firm itself to manage some of this, uh, um, the content that lives behind the, you know, what we all experience when we go to the, to the URL. 
Sure. So um, the management of the back end doesn't require any coding knowledge. Um, it's a bit like when you're uploading images or, you know, to uh, Instagram or Facebook, you just upload the image, um, add in the bit of copy. Um, a, a great skill set to have is photo editing. So you can, you know, work within Photoshop to uh, make sure images are sized properly. Um, that's the, the only specific skill set. Um, we train all of our clients in basic SEO um, as part of creating their website. So, so that's search engine optimization for anyone who's not familiar with the term. So we teach them how to optimize an image for search, um, how to input the right keywords into the back end so that they've got the, the basic skills that they need to maintain it. You mean like captions and things like that? Um, well, for example, um, for an image um, to um, come up in search, it needs to have the right file name and it needs to have um, something called an alt tag input. So we teach our clients what the, those file naming um, standards should be and you know where to put in an alt tag. Um, I mean, we could do a whole call just on search engine optimization. So, you know, I won't go into it in too much detail, but I'm happy to answer any other questions that come up. Yeah. yeah. Tom, do you want to talk a little bit about kind of, you know, this idea of um, what you hand off and how it's managed by clients over time? And then we're going to kind of go all the way back to the beginning of the process. Sure. I think um, what's interesting for us is I would say the vast majority of our clients don't want to update their website. They just don't want to bother. And I end up doing a lot of the updating. I can't program anything. And I think to Susanna's point, you know, it's about um, photo editing skills. So I think a lot of it's about editing, but it's updating things and uploading things. And that's pretty easy to do, but we find that most people just don't want to bother or they don't trust themselves in making the right decision or I think they just want our eyes on it mm -hmm. to, you know, should I pick this photo, that photo? What about this? What do you guys think? So a lot of our clients are looking to us to help them to make the right editorial decision. So they, they end up sending and emailing us most. So we do the vast majority of, of that update, even when we're handing over the keys, so to speak, we'll say, thank you very much, but they actually never use those keys. Yeah, yeah, it's about giving everyone the choice. They are, you know, they should have the choice to do it, but then we're the same. Like we're always here and and helping people. Um, we create a lot of e-commerce sites as well, so we yeah. have to. It's a little different, yeah. Yeah, because it would be too costly for them to to um, have someone else managing it. But yeah. we're going to get to e-commerce in a minute. Um, here's what I'd like to think about: is just so we're super clear in helping people to think about this? Because I'm assuming most people who join this call are contemplating some kind of investment in their current website. So I'm curious, maybe you can walk us through a couple things. One is when people come to you, are they normally looking to have a completely new uh, experience on their site and you're starting from scratch? And what does that look like? Or are they looking to have you kind of take what they have and make it better? And is that a realistic thing to expect to happen? And then, you know, kind of along the way, 
is there, what are the big triggers that you experience? You know, we've talked about this a little bit, but when people come like, why are they coming to you? And we all, we know you both said it's harder when they come kind of reactionary and late, uh, but what, what, it's, what are the big things they're trying to achieve? And then uh, how, how do we think about, you know, kind of keeping this, the sites alive over time, but let's start with the starting point. Like what, what's really, when people are coming to you, what's the impetus and what are you starting with? Um, I'll say that most people come to us because their existing site no longer represents who they are. Mm. It represented who they, who they were five years ago, two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, but it isn't what they're doing now. And often the work that excites them the most, the, the fabulous work is work that no one sees mm. for a whole bunch of reasons, right? It's held up in publication or a client won't let it be released, but they're super excited about that. And when they're looking at what they have up now, it just kind of drags them down. Mm. So it's usually about that branding thing. There's a disconnect. And, and just to be clear, it's there's the assets themselves, the images that are being represented about the work. Mm. And then there's the, you know, the kind of experience of the site itself, meaning the navigation, the look and feel of the pages. When you say it's not representing what they are today, you're talking about the projects that are posted or is it the look and feel of the site and its experience? Both. Both. Susanna, do you wanna you know, take, just help us where, where people start with you? Uh, I, mean, I, I completely agree with Tom. We have, that's the conversation that we have with most of our clients, interior designers and architects. I think to expand on the, whether it's the project images or the look and feel, I think um, uh, web design trends and technology move really fast. So it, it may be that um, they feel that the, the site, um, it looks too basic or it looks old fashioned. Um, sometimes a smaller firm has started out with a simpler website, which is what they can afford at the time. And so they're getting to the point where they want to level up and they feel that um, when the websites look too simple, too basic, maybe too templated, it's not attracting the clients that they want. So they're getting too many inquiries from low budget clients um, and they feel that a more luxurious, highly finished web experience will help mm. attract the type of clients who want that same high-end finish in their home. Right, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so just to be specific, are you typically in each, in, for both of you, starting from scratch, like let's just, get on a new platform, let's build this from scratch, or are you finding yourself at times uh, working with an existing site? It, it's always from scratch. Some of the assets certainly pre-exist, but we can't, typically we can't even drag some of that stuff off the old website because it's not optimized correctly. It's too small. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes it's a struggle for um, some clients for the older projects to get larger images, to track that down. They haven't been keeping track of things. They don't know where it is. 
you know, it's you open the drawer and it's a big pile of junk in there, you know? So that typically, you know, is, is a struggle, but it's hard, I think, because of technology that to use, to build off of something that was created five years ago, it's just, it's just different, you know? So it's a little different than, than renovating a house. And let's say, you know, you design and built this house 10 years ago and it's awesome and it's built for, for, for generations. And now you want to put an addition or you want to renovate the kitchen. The bones are still good. In Webland, the bones usually are not good. Mm. And that's usually one of the problems. Especially for the developers to yeah. carry on with the analogy of the home renovation. For them, it's like, you know, when the builders open up the wall and say, oh God, there's rot in here. We've got to rip <laughs> That's how developers feel about <laughs> opening up someone else's code. They're like, oh. <laughs> um, we, I have to say, uh, we, we do a mixture um, of, um, on the whole, it's new sites. There's times when it has to be an evolution, like uh, we're working with a large furniture brand right now and we have to do, we have to work with their existing site and we do a phased evolution over time where we roll out the look like look and new look and feel over a year. So like, that's a, a bit of a different type of site. In the past, we've we, there's been a couple of interior design firms where for whatever reason they've really had to keep their old site and we've had to we've had to design and build on top of it and while they've been happy at the end I think they've always felt like they wish they just started from scratch because it's not just the back end it's also some of the front end like if we're going to redo some pages then we kind of have to stick with the same uh, navigation layout there's some nuts and bolts to creating it that, that we can't change and I think sometimes that there's the feeling at the end that while it looks nice it, it might have actually been cheaper and faster to have just done it from yeah from always this this may be a um you know I don't know if this is sort of like I think for a lot of people, the web design or web building a website is like a, a complete black box. You know, if you're not involved in it all, all the time, it just seems like it's a magical thing that developers can just press buttons and do. But I think the reality is most of these things are built on established, you know, uh, off the shelf platforms, right? Like uh, WordPress or Magento or you name the different uh, tool on which these things are built is can you just talk a little bit about kind of what this looks like? You're, you're, you're leveraging an existing kind of platform and then you're laying the experience you want to deliver on top of that, right? And can you maybe talk a little bit about what the choices are out there for uh, most architecture and design firms in terms of what this is all built on? Um, uh Tom, I'm not sure about you guys, but um, WordPress is definitely a big platform for us. Um, but uh, Word, uh, often when people think about WordPress, they think of the um, uh, templates that you buy. Um, so with WordPress, you we're creating completely custom designs. We're just using WordPress as the system to manage the back end. Uh, and we also customize the back end to make it intuitive and, and easy to use. Um, Tom, are you guys the same? 
if I can jump in for a second, I think there is confusion there with these pre-made themes, off-the-shelf themes. And in, with our clients, they're in a custom environment. Everything is custom. You know? So I, I believe that their site needs to be custom. Yeah. So one scary story of a client who hired a different firm, which will be unnamed, um, charged a fortune for a $60 off-the-shelf theme and took their information and stuck it in the theme and said, there you go. So I think, you know, which is horrifying, but you, in this customized world, it has to be a customized product because people can see it, they can smell it. You know, if it's a theme, it, it, it's just, it's uh -huh. and then not cool. And then it's not just the design that can, that can be, so much better on a custom site it's also we can make them faster we can better optimize the mobile experience um we can stay much more on top of um the suggested updates that that mm -hmm. google makes um we can you know work towards basic compliance with things like the ada and then we can go fully compliant for some clients it's just it's the same i guess as whether you put up a modular house or whether you design and build your house from scratch we've just got so much more control over what we can create right and I, and I think, I think particularly with uh, interior designers where they're used to customizing everything, that's their viewpoint. So to say that you can't do something, you know, it doesn't, um, they don't like that, you know? Yeah. So if you take the approach where everything can be customized, you know, yeah. I think you get a more unique product in the end. And I think it also expresses and reflects who they are. So uh, I want to sort of continue to try to like peel back uh, what happens behind the scenes a little bit. So I, I think I know both of you as principally like creatively driven designers. So that's a part of the process. Can you just t help us understand like conceptually when you start a project, you're creating a, you know, kind of a, what, what are the steps so that we know, because, you know, we know that neither of you are um, doing the programming Help us understand, like, what does your team look like to support a project? What, what should people expect in terms of that? Are they mostly interacting with you or is there a, a other people on your team that are kind of getting close to the client so they are part of the process? And are you starting with like design concepts, wireframes? Uh, how, how do you, what, what should people expect when they're interacting with someone who are helping them? so that they know that they're in the zone of getting something that is a quality that they might want. I can Where, start. You, uh, well, we start with a bunch of questions like what's wrong? Why are you doing this? You know, some of those, those types of things. Um, and we have them also look at their peers, competitors, um, mm -hmm. sometimes who they want to be when they grow up. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. And that guides us, I think, creatively and aesthetically to, okay, perhaps they're saying this, sometimes that's the right direction. Sometimes they're saying this, but we think it should be this and this is why, okay? Yeah. And we'll come up with a prototype, which is a programmed um, um, link, okay? So they could look at the whole thing because I think movement dissolves a lot of that stuff I think has to be seen. So, right up so right. this is like using InVision or something like that. Um, you know, we program a, a prototype. 
Okay. So it looks pretty darn like click on it and it looks pretty darn good. Okay. Because I think for us, we have to get people excited by it. If you show them something that's flat, if you show them something that has constraints, if you don't see that movement that dissolves all the nuance, the beauty of it all, if you're not seeing that up front, it's hard to get your head around, but it's hard to get excited by it. Right. So, and who's, who's doing this work is, do you have a, is it freelancers? Do you have a dedicated development team? What's that in, look like? In our office, it's, it's people within our office. So we don't outsource that. So we have four developers here mm -hmm. um, and uh, another designer. So we design it and then we program it. And because we're in one space, you know, the line between designing something and programming is so blurry. Mm -hmm. You know, we're sitting next to each other. Okay, one informs the other. Um, yeah. So it's, it's then programmed, reviewed, and then once that's agreed upon, then you build the back end, you build the content management system. Okay. And the client will be always working with me and invariably two other people in my office. Yeah. Uh, Susanna, do you want to uh, answer that same question? Uh, sure. Yeah. So um, uh, all of our projects um, normally have four team members working on them. So that's myself. I lead every project. So all the communication is with me, um, another designer, um, a developer, and then a project operations and content manager. Um, my job is um, the creative direction of the project um, and the day-to-day -day management with the clients. So I'm the one at the start of the project um, brainstorming with you, asking you know similar questions to um, the ones Tom laid out, um, thinking about what's the business strategy behind the website, you know what's the aesthetics behind the, the company. Um, uh, then our content manager gets involved um, to talk to whomever on the client side is helping to put together um, all of the imagery um, and they work together on uh, organizing the imagery, getting it delivered to us to work with. Um, when we start designing a project, um, we normally present in around about three different concepts of what the site um, can look like. So we start off with, um, oh, and this is assuming we're not doing branding. So if we're just doing the website, um, we'll start with mood boards, color palettes, typography explorations. We're all complete geeks about typography here. We love it. So we spend like a lot of time thinking, you know, about the right font. Um, and then we'll do mock-ups of like around about three different approaches, um, normally starting with the homepage. Um, we do both static and motion mock-ups um, so that we can show how movement will work. Um, then the clients normally will, they might love one concept right away. And so that's the one we roll with, or they like aspects of two, or maybe on the rare occurrence, maybe none of them work. And so then we go back to the drawing board and, and we come up with more. I'm sure that doesn't happen. Um, <laughs> occasionally. Once uh, no, I'm not buying it. No, once in a while, but it's normally when the client 
think they like one thing, but actually they like something totally different. <laughs> that's, that's normally like, there's the occasional disconnect there. Um, and then, and then- so when, You're saying designers are like regular people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it happens. Actually, you'd be surprised how many designers um, struggle to think of how to creatively present themselves you know oh. it's not like they don't know straight away it requires some work to think it through and then um, and then once that initial design concept is decided on then we roll out into designing all the pages on the site it's very collaborative there's like a lot of back and forwards um, so you know their clients kind of get to feel like it's truly representative of them um, uh, we envision to, to present, um, you know, and then and then it goes into build. Um, our develop our developers are in house too, like Tom. So that's nice because the developers get to review the designs as you go along and make yeah. sure everything can be built the way that we're imagining. Yeah, I'll, I'll make a comment there, um, which is you know, in my experience, and I think you're both validating this that <clears throat> the link between the client the design and the actual developer is super important. And there's a lot of kind of notion of freelance and, oh, I'll just get these people to help me here and there. And you do lose something when the connections are not as tight. Yeah. And also over time, if you're continually updating the site, having that team together, the continuity I, I think makes a difference as well. Well, and, 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 I, and I think because, of, because the clients are creative people, they're yeah. in the creative uh, business, you know? So they're accustomed to participating and weighing in on all of those decisions. It's different than if you're making something for, I mean, which we don't, but for the financial sector or healthcare, where it's just, a, it's a different animal. So. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I am tracking the questions that are coming in and I'm also watching the clock. And so uh, we're gonna make sure we answer um, as many questions, if not all of them as possible. So keep them coming. Uh, I'm not ignoring them. Um, I'm looking to kind of um, find the right places to, to make sure we're covering, covering the questions as well as um, keep the conversation going. I do wanna talk a little bit about uh, features and functionality. So we're, we're talking a lot about design. Are there, um, is there sort of like a typical list, you know, projects and team and press and things like that? They're just kind of the norm or is there, are there aspects of, what your clients want to deliver in terms of information or anything else that is kind of evolving or emerging that is new. One example might be, for example, a client who has some kind of an e-commerce experience that's part of their firm, uh, or it could be anything else. So I'd love to just know kind of, you know, is there, any, is there either an evolution of the range of features and functionality or are there unusual things that come up that we might be interested to hear about that would spark people's uh, imagination about what they could do? Yeah, there's um, there's a, a few things. <coughs> and, um, yeah, yeah, so e-commerce obviously is one element, um, but then there's also semi-e-commerce, which is where you know, you've got your own line of products, but you don't actually want to be directly selling online. Mm want people to inquire um, so creating a really luxurious on-brand experience for, for that inquiry um, there's also um, uh, 
you know, that there's been a growth recently in trying to figure out other ways that you can monetize the, the website, especially if you've got a large social following. So there's new technologies coming through. Um, there's a company called Sidedoor who we've been talking to, who are trying to revolutionize how um, uh, affiliates work. So some designers are looking to um, uh, have pages on their site that showcase all the different products that they're recommending to their, mm -hmm. to their followers. And then if a user clicks through and buys that, um, the, the designer will receive the trade commission on the product. So traditionally affiliates gave you like a four or 5% commission, whereas now you would be looking at 15 to 30% commission. So if you've grown, you know, this social following of hundred thousands of people and they're all clicking through to your website, but they're not necessarily in the market to hire you as an interior designer, you know, you still get to monetize your style and taste. So that's that's kind of interesting, and then the and then the other one, which I I um I think I saw a question in the Q and A about is uh, you know video. How do we incorporate video? How do we incorporate sound? Mm -hmm. A lot of the times, like with the sites, we're trying to create an emotive, engaging experience rather than just showing a portfolio. So uh, video can be a, like a, a really nice way to actually bring a space to life, um, the, the mood, the feel, the way light bounces around the room. Um, so yeah, there's, al there's always new exciting things that, that we're bringing into the sites. Right, Tom, do you wanna answer that question? Um, I think there's a lot of question, there's a lot of questions about video for sure, okay? And, um, and I think that our experience might be a little different and Susanna's in terms of product, because we do less product, okay? And less e-commerce. Um, so the question I ask about video is, you know, what do you want to say? What do you want to communicate? So sometimes people will say, well, we have to have video because I read you got to have a video on there. And I'm like, well, that could be great, but what do you want to talk about? You know, why, why will someone watch this video? for everyone has ADD. So, you know, will they watch it for five seconds or 20 seconds? Will someone sit and watch a three minute video? I mean, that's a good question. How many three minute videos do you watch? And most people will say, well, not many, you know? So it's, it's kind of a conundrum, but I think the idea of bringing something to life, as Susanna said, I think is what people are interested in. What, what, what's the most, uh, and you can just answer this quickly. What's the most unusual thing you've had to put into a site for a client? Um, this isn't unusual, but this is an example of a different way to use video than what people might be thinking. So rather than video being three minutes long, we talk about micro video, which is more like a moving image. So we're working on a site at the moment um, and it's an architecture firm and they really believe in the, the conversation between indoor and outdoor and all of the houses that they build are really informed by the landscape. So to create that feeling, we're shooting video, um, more of just the wind blowing through the ornamental grasses as you walk up the path um, or drone shots of the water by the house. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, so it's more about creating that feel um, and also using video to show 
you know, the pattern that light might make as it moves across a wall can be a really important part of a, of a room. Um, and the photographs sometimes don't capture that. So we use this micro video, which is just a few seconds long um, mm -hmm. to, to get that kind of feel. So it's, you know, a little different how people might be thinking about it. How are you, Tom? Unusual? Uh, I don't even know how to answer that question. Okay, um, no problem. Yeah, um, we, can, we can keep moving. Um, I, want, I wanted to, uh, I have one last question and then we're gonna really dig into the Q&A, which is um, what, what's your experience with designer and design and architecture firms, uh, then moving to the next phase once the site's built of really watching the metrics, tracking things and working to build traffic. Is that part of the equation that you are close to? Yes, we look at analytics for sure. And I think what's surprising for a lot of our clients is that where they think people would go isn't where people are going. Mm -hmm. So for example, with the um, section about press and awards and all of that stuff, we're looking at the numbers and people don't go there. Nope. So where people are going, and I think it surprises a lot of, a lot of clients is they're going to the top few projects for sure. Mm -hmm. but they're going to them. Yeah, They want to see those people and they want to see pictures of those principles. And for a lot of clients who think, well, the work speaks for itself, they really want to look at them. Yeah. And yeah. That, that, that catches people off guard. It's not yeah. the press. Yeah. How about you, Susanna? Um, yeah, we, no, we look at analytics as well when we're working on sites. Um, I find that unless our clients have a dedicated marketing team, they don't really look at their analytics. Um, but, but we do, and we make sure all the sites are set up to, to track um, analytics. They get set up with Google Analytics and Google Search Console as well. Um, in terms of driving traffic, um, that's a separate conversation. Um, some web design firms do offer it as well. Um, we tend to partner with other agencies who specialize in that. So um, we work a lot with Nylon Consulting who do social media for um, interior design brands. Um, and they're really specialists in it. So we work together on brand identity and making sure that um, uh, the look and feel that we've created for the brand through the website rolls across traffic driving initiatives, um, but it's other agencies that manage that. Well, maybe we'll come back to the uh, traffic driving as the next expert access uh, yeah. sometime in the future, because obviously if you build a site, you want people to come to it. So that's probably a corollary to this conversation. I'm going to ask, you know, going to the q and I, I think we all have to just sort of confront this issue. Can you give us a range of budget that would reflect kind of how people could think about just, um, you know, delving into this process. What, what's kind of like the low and the high, depending on, you know, uh, maybe size of firm or ambitions of the project, help us understand that. Well, that's kind of like asking the question, how much is a house cost? Yeah, no, I know it's a tough one, Yeah. but, uh, but I think that the, you know, for some people on the, on the webinar here, um, you know, 15, 25, $50,000 could be a lot or a little, $100,000. I, I think just scaling this would be interesting just so people can imagine when they pick up the phone and call you or someone else that they, you know, uh, have some preparation. You much, like a, 
you much like a client that goes looks around their neighborhood and goes, well, yeah. if I'm moving to this neighborhood and building a house here, it's probably going to cost me five million dollars. Right. Um, I think that, and I think that that my perspective and Susanna's might be different if you're talking about e-commerce. So most of the sites we do for architectural firms, interior design firms that are not talking about e-commerce. Mm -hmm. I mean, the low end, the low end is thirty thousand dollars. Okay, mm -hmm. so I would say most are in the thirty to fifty thousand dollar range. Um, and then if you're talking about writing, if you're talking about portrait photography, if you're talking about a lot of that stuff, then that stuff kind of adds, adds up. Okay. Yeah. So for someone that says, oh, I just want a little site. So can it be like $15,000? You know, it, it just doesn't really work that way. Yeah. How about budget for you, Susanna? Um, I guess not dissimilar to, to Tom's. Um, maybe a, a little cheaper, so about 20 to 40. Um, and then e-commerce um, obviously is a, like a different ball game. Um, we, we do have a part of our business that does offer Squarespace sites to clients who have got smaller budgets. Um, although we really only do those if they really, really can't stretch to the, to the custom budgets. Um, and so those are more like around 10. Um, but if I personally, I think it's better that you wait a little longer and do the custom site, because if you do the Squarespace one, you're normally back wanting a custom site within a couple of years. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we have a question here about uh, examples of designer and architecture firm websites that you find particularly compelling. I know that our plan after this um, uh, discussion is to uh, collect from you um, examples of sites that you built that you think are representative of your work that we intend to share. And answering another question, we'll attach to that uh, follow-up communication the name of the affiliate uh, site that uh, Susanna recommended. So people have information here. Are, th are there sites though generally, you know, either within the design and architecture world or maybe you know, in the larger world that you all find just really exciting that you come across that, that might be places where you get inspired uh, to, to learn about what's happening in web design right now that you could share. And of course, we'll note these and we'll also include these in the follow-up. Well, um, I mean, the, the best the best sites are the ones that are truly, you know, authentic to the brand. So um, there might be sites that we love, but they're just not appropriate for the brand. Um, and also a lot of it comes down to aesthetics. Like we've got designers here who just love a minimalist, completely empty website. And then we've got other designers who love, you know, color and pattern. And so it's it's really uh, the, the sites that that talk to the, you know, specific style of the client. And in terms of inspiration, um, well, a lot of my team are European. So we actually follow a lot of European web design trends, which are different to what we see in the US. So that's kind of interesting because we get new ideas there. Um, and we also look outside of this industry um, for inspiration. So there's a couple of sites that we like, which I can send the link through to. One of them is called Site Inspire. 
Com, which is uh, run by a developer in the UK. Um, and there's some great inspiration there. You can see what a lot of different designers across Europe are doing. And then the other one is called awards.com. And that's spelled with three W's, like www. Um, and that, that one's, that's great as well. And some of the ideas are like too far out there in terms of usability, but you know, it, it lets you see like what's coming through and what things yep. to experiment with. Well, we'll add those to the follow-up email so people don't have to scramble to write them down. We'll collect all of this and, and share it. Uh, Tom, what about you for, where do you get inspiration or where would you point people? Well, this sounds like a cheesy answer, but I always get inspired by the clients. So I tend not to look around a lot um, which sounds wrong, but, um, but when I do, we tend to look at, I, I like things, sites from Scandinavian countries because it has a certain kind of reserve um, and from sites from other parts of the world, for sure. You know, it just gives you a different perspective. Typographically, you look at stuff from Switzerland, their sense of typography, it's just so, it's just different, right. you know, it has- a We did have a quite, on that topic, we did have a question about the relationship between typography in the larger world and then typography for web design. How big a gap is there in terms of the tools that are available to you? Oh, I think it's narrowed dramatically. I mean, years ago, it was a nightmare. You know, you just, you couldn't get anything that looked good, you know, yeah. but now you can get web versions of fonts and it's pretty darn amazing yeah. now, so. Yeah. And I think the last question, I think that will maybe cover us off here a little bit is just, when you think about the team surrounding this, we, you mentioned that there's sort of a traffic driving element that relates to perhaps PR or a social media and things of that sort. We, I think it's a great idea to come back to that. Uh, the other is for SEO, is that typically something that you see design firms bringing consultants in to help really dig deep at this? Or is it something that's more when you, you build it as part of the building of the site and then just expect that to kind of you know hold, hold it I, I think we're going to have different answers to this question, but um, the majority of our clients will say they don't care about SEO. Mm -hmm. All their business is referral. It's not important. So we build in standard SEO practices, all that stuff, um, because, you know, you can't be invisible for sure. Um, right. But most people are not Googling fabulous designer in wherever, you know, so it, it's not, it's less of an issue. I think it's different if you're talking about e-commerce for sure. Um, yeah, no, we we work on SEO. So um, the sites are fully uh, SEO'd to start off with, although Tom's right, most of our interior design, well, the bigger firms anyway, aren't so bothered about SEO, but they still need to have it. Um, but uh, one part of SEO that people don't always take into consideration is um, the um, things that Google is looking at. So um, like site speed, mobile first yep. indexing, and then yep. also the, the big thing that's gonna be coming through in the next couple of years is ADA compliance as well. So there's a lot that goes into SEO that's not just keywords. Um, and uh, if you're working with a good web design and development firm that, like Dyad or us, or that we're going to think about SEO as part of the project. If you're working with a firm that's telling you you've got to hire someone else to do SEO, I, 
in my, in my opinion, you know, that's like a crucial building block of the site. So to leave it off and not think about it at all, you know, even the basics, I, I think they would be doing you a disservice. Well, this, that's all very good advice. And I think with that, um, we're kind of running out of time here. So I want to thank uh, Suzanne and Tom for their, you know, very valuable insights here. It's fantastic to have DLN members sharing with other DLN members. And so we just really appreciate uh, all the time and, and uh, effort you put into thinking about this with, uh, with our group here. I want to mention that uh, when you look out to June 10th, the DLN's business forum will be coming back to a related topic, which is sort of the digital transformation of the industry itself as a whole as one of our topics. So I think that's a component of this whole conversation here. Uh, so look forward to that on June 10th. And then next month's uh, Expert Access will feature Bill Fulton, who's the director of Rice University's Kinder Institute for Urban Research. And he's gonna join us bringing, uh, with Becky, uh, bringing uh, a really updated look at the uh, movement of wealth around the country. And you might think this sounds esoteric, but essentially as wealth moves, our projects move. And so we're gonna be looking for insights into understanding where projects may be in the future, attitudes and um, information about you know, the movement of, uh, of our population and what that means for the future of our business. So I look forward to that and um, thank you all for being here and I hope you enjoyed uh, uh, Expert Access today. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you. Bye.